from Parts Unknown. This is the TK and J Show. Now, here are your hosts, TK and J. Your Jay. And welcome to the TK's Gonna Eat Crow edition of the TK and Jay Show. I am TK. And I'm Jay. So, Buckeye Nation, I'm sorry. I was wrong. I couldn't have been more wrong. I saw a blowout the other way, and the Buckeyes came out and just walloped the Wolverines. I mean, I. I treaded carefully around a lot of my Michigan friends, including Jay, on Saturday. A, because I knew they were going to throw it in my face and I thought Michigan was going to win. And B, all of my Ohio State fans refused to acknowledge that I even existed until Sunday after the Browns game. Yeah, and I think uh, I think of one thing that you, you did deserve that, uh, that, that treatment because you essentially turned your back on a team that was struggling. Now, a lot of Not people, that I turned my back. I was just uh, like, you nah, know man. what? They saw all your back hairs and everything like that. Well, here's here's how I look at it. Uh, before I met my wife, I was as big of an Ohio State fan, and I still am to a certain extent, but I don't rub it in people's faces, A, like I used to, and B, I've been able to take off those Buckeye color glasses and kind of see things for what they are, and Michigan, going into that game, was a better football team. I thought they were playing better. They had been coached better. They were flowing on all cylinders. I didn't think Ohio State matched up with them, especially on uh, defensively. And the, to the Buckeyes' credit, Urban Meyer's credit, they came out and punched Michigan in the mouth and punched Michigan in the mouth and just keep punching them in the mouth until they were up 30 points. So when the, when the loss happened at Purdue, I had mentioned that this was going to happen. I said this was going to happen. And for me, the reason why I know this is because it's the pedigree of Ohio State. Ohio State preaches beat Michigan from the time you step on campus. So when you walk into that dressing room, it says so many days until, you know, the game or, you know, the team up north. Whatever it says, I've been there before. And basically, that's what they're looking for at the beginning of the season. So me, time after time, that's what Urban Meyer is preaching. And no Michigan coach except for Lloyd Carr and Bo Schembechler were on that train where when you walk through the door, it was about beating Ohio State. Um, that's why I knew Ohio State wasn't going to lose this game. It's in Columbus. Those guys are a talented group, and that, for me, they always, always get up for Michigan. I've never seen a game where they haven't. Right. And even if they when they lost, the, the, the Luke Fickle year, that was the that year that they were terrible, but that was the best they had played all year. Michigan should have blown them out, but yet it was only, a, I think, a 10-point game when it was right. over. There was no doubt in my mind that this was going to be a close game, and I felt because of where it was at that Ohio State would pull this off. Am I surprised that the score was what it was? Yeah, I'm a little bit surprised. I'm a little bit disappointed, but I'm not at all shocked that Ohio State won this game. Not at all. I said it was going to happen. I even set it up and said that this is the year that Ohio State is going to back into the playoffs again and watch. My prediction is still there. It's still going. I said that they would back in, possibly make it to the national championship, and somehow upset about Alabama. You watch. The way they, they boat raced Michigan this year, 
they got a chance against Alabama. There's another boat race coming this weekend in the Big Ten Championship game because I just don't see a team that lost at home to Akron beating a team that just played the way they did against against Michigan. See, I, I, I tread lightly. I say Ohio State beats Northwestern by 10, and it's late. But I think Ohio State's going to have to. They're going to put the. They're going to put. They're going to come in ready to go because they're going to need style points. I just don't think Ohio State's good at, against any other team than Michigan, and, and that's really how I feel. Well, going back to you say that that they get up for the game, and I'm pretty sure Urban Meyer does this too. But when Coach Trestle came in at the end of every practice, the last thing they did it wasn't about the opponent they were playing this week. This is what we need to prepare for for that game, and they always had the last 10, 15 minutes of practice on offense and defense, getting ready for Michigan. So they didn't spend a week getting ready for Michigan. They spent 12 weeks getting ready for that game. And that, that's why and Ohio, that, Ohio State is more prepared than Michigan because there's a lot of old old thoughts happening at Michigan. The offense is old style. It's all about run first and pass. And when, when, when they let Shea Patterson go, he chopped up the Ohio State defense. They didn't, they didn't go back to it the rest of the game. They never allowed Shea Patterson to do what he needed to do. They continued to run the ball, putting Shea Patterson in situations where the defensive line could just pin their ear back and get to him. That's the problem with where we're at at Michigan. It's They don't have a coach in there that is beat Ohio State-minded. Now, as, as the alumni go and as the Michigan people go, do I say we care? I don't really know that. But at this Michigan fan, uh, this right here, for me, 10-2 and two is not bad. Do I get annoyed that sometimes we're, you know, we're still 2,000-plus days from beating Ohio State? Yeah, it's a little bit annoying. 2,557 to be exact. And for me, it's a little bit annoying, but do we go 10-2? and two, And then what happens if, like, say, say ironically, scenario, we play uh, an undefeated season, get to Ohio State, lose that game, and still go to the playoffs. Do I care? I don't. No. But does does Ohio State care? They do. Absolutely. That's why. And Michigan should, too. I would think they should to a certain extent, but not as much it's, as Ohio State for some You know reason. what? I'll tell you the atmospheres are different, and, I, and I'll tell you why. Michigan is the up, uppity, yuppity, white-collar school. They are literally about... You know, we have the money, we're better than you. So, essentially, <laughs> it feels like they could care less. But it always feels like Ohio State, even though they're the better team, always has something to prove to Michigan. And is always playing the game like they have something to prove. And Michigan plays the game like, I don't have nothing to prove to you. If we lose, we lose. If we win, we win. But Ohio State plays like, we have something to prove to you. We want to punch you in the mouth and everything like that. I wish that, you know, Michigan had more of a blue-collar mentality to their playing style where they weren't just robotic with the way they do things and they weren't just, let's stick to the old, same old, same old. I wish they did have that 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 drive, but they it doesn't seem that they do. And it was never more evident than this game. You had all the world in your hands. All you had to do was win this game. And they went out and they played uninspired football. And that was disappointing to me. Now, I wasn't mad. I saw it coming, but they really played uninspired football. And it's just disappointing to see when you literally had a the world in your hands and you just said, basically, <laughs> when you got punched in the face, you folded and it was done in Ohio State. It was over. Right. I mean, Haskins had another, had another day. He's shattering record after record. Not only Ohio State records, but Big Ten records, too. 20 of 31 for 396 and six touchdown passes. 
I was I was floored when I read that line. Paris Campbell longest gain in Ohio State history against Michigan, seventy eight yards, a seventy eight yard touchdown pass. Um, they ran for another one seventy one on the ground. So yeah, Ohio State's getting healthy at the right time, but you know I just feel like felt like in that second half when Ohio State got up by two scores, Michigan just rolled over, died, and had no interest in trying to come back. After it was three scores, they decided to put that the um, the backup in, and I knew they had just kind of said to hell with the season at that point. Um, now what we were talking off off air earlier. Our buddy Adam Vino, who just loves um, loves Michigan probably more than you do, I would have to say. I would say not. No. Um, but, but what did he say about the backup, and then what happened after that? You have to tell that story. Oh, yeah. So, we're, you know, we see um, – I, and I forget what the backup is. Milton. J, uh, yeah, Mr. Milton here. I'll get his first name for you here. Joe Milton. Okay, so Joe Milton. Now he's a freshman. Mm-hmm. I apologize, everybody. He's new to the team. I've seen him. He's trying to redshirt, so I haven't seen him many times because he's falling under the we only start. You could only be involved in four games, if everybody knew didn't know that, without losing your redshirt status. So I haven't seen much of him. Um, but he comes into the game basically all but signifying we're waving the white flag, game's over. Right. And we're sitting with our buddies and Adam, you know, as, as cheery as he can make it, finds a silver lining, and he says, man. I said, man, they got the new quarterback in there already. They got Milton in there. And he said, man, I really love this quarterback. He has a great, and he as just as he says he has a great, this ball gets a pick six right, right to the crib, <laughs> thrown right to the defensive back of Ohio State, pick six, before Adam could even finish the sentence. I felt so bad. Kiss of death that, right there, I man. At, I knew at that point we it was just laughable. You know, this rivalry is laughable. Uh, but I will tell you, I'm not deterred. And I don't care that Ohio State has beaten us over 25. Well, it was like 2,500 is what 2, you said. 2,500 days, yeah. I don't care. A... I will still stand here and say, screw Ohio State. I'm a Michigan fan. boy. Well done. Um, I can respect that. And, and I don't care what you guys have to say. But I will tell you. Anyone who tells me that this isn't a rivalry, you wouldn't be texting me, you wouldn't be tweeting, and you wouldn't be searching me out in the office if it wasn't a rivalry. You Did you ever find Blake and want to beat the hell out of him? You know, Blake was, you know, after a while, at first when we started, Blake was annoying. And when we tied it up, well, we were when we got that, uh, the guy fumbled um, the the uh, the kickoff. Right. He fumbled it. Right. Michigan just that was a back. disaster. Yeah, it was that... a disaster. I felt that at that point we need if 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 we'd have shut them down going into halftime, I think that the momentum would have all been on Michigan's side when we came back out. Right. At that point, I wanted to to text Blake or no tweet Blake and tell him I told you stop acting like a fool on fa- on Twitter. Right. And I'm gonna come get you. The second half, that meant my man's justified. It's it's a terrible look, but yeah, I'm gonna tell you for all you people on the ledge, Jim Harbaugh is still the man. Doesn't matter if he can't beat one team. For me, he will eventually beat one team. And if you guys want win now, then go get Urban. All right, because he's the only one doing that. Saban didn't do it. Dabble Sweeney didn't do it. Uh, Brian Kelly sure as heck didn't do it at Notre Dame. Urban Meyer took a six and seven team and went undefeated with Jim Trestle's guys the next year. They weren't even his guys, and, he, and that team was better than the team that won the national championship. Right, and and Urban Meyer has found himself in decent situations where he was able to win now and beat the teams that he was supposed to beat. Jim Harbaugh is still trying to get his team to the level and the pedigree that Ohio State is right now. And but that program is better 
right now than it was when he walked in there. And every place he's been, to his credit, has been, even in, at the pro level with the 49ers, he left it better than he found it. And I agree with you. He's a hell of a coach. They're doing the right things. They're getting the right players in there. I thought it was going to be this year that they get us. Don't be surprised if it's next year either because Michigan's a good team. And as even this Ohio State fan will tell you, when Michigan is good, it is good for the Big Ten and it is good for the strength of the conference. And it's good for situations like this where the winner of this game, when they're both like this, has a shot to get in the playoff. That's good for the Big Ten. I think for the first time in in Jim Harbaugh's tenure at Michigan, uh, Michigan actually looked bad in that game. Yeah. Um, the first year he was there, it was a bit of a, a slaughter, but that happened real late when the horses happened to be showed, the depth actually showed to be a lot better than what Michigan had. Right. But for the first three quarters of that first game, Michigan hung in there. The next year Michigan hung in there, it was the, you know, the controversial spot of the ball, which in my opinion, that's the only part of the game I said – this was the least controversial part of the game. Right. I think that Barrett got the first down for me, and I'll say we that. We were in the same room when that happened, yeah, I and think, I thought he did too. I thought he got the first down. Um, there's no argument about it. We can't dispute it. It's hard to do that. This Last year's game before this year, Michigan was winning and, and blew that game as well. This year was the worst that they've ever looked. But I promise you, Next year coming into the big house, it is going to be a dogfight. Now, I don't know, and I won't put a stamp that Michigan will win it, but it's going to be a dogfight coming in there because we have a lot of returning starters. The only people that I see not coming back, Rashawn Gary, Chase Winovich. Chase Winovich is a senior. Rashawn Gary is good enough to go to the NFL. Even though they played like crap in this this past weekend, their, their season overall shows that they can go to the NFL. So... We'll have a very deep returning defense. We'll have Shea Patterson returning. We'll have all the receivers returning. They'll have another year under their belt. Look for them to be dangerous next year for sure. And I don't even know, and I'm not saying this, you know, because he's looking for another opportunity, but our head coach has a cyst in his brain that causes awful headaches. His health, you can see he's not well. We might not even have our coach next year at this time. He might have to step away for health reasons again. Um, so, you know, if that's the case too, you know, there are a lot of things. This game could look very differently than it did next year or, you know, this, you know, this time next year. And, and, and the thing about this rivalry isn't, hasn't really, to me, the narrative has been urban versus whatever Michigan coach is there. Right. Uh, Jim Tressel and urban, whatever Michigan coach is there. They're both miles ahead of what Michigan has been able to, to bring there. Jim Harbaugh is a good coach, but he's no urban Meyer. Um, and, I, and I can admit that. And Urban Meyer's main focus is beat Michigan. So if you lose Urban Meyer, you lose the Michigan. There's nobody else that can beat Michigan. Right. Out there. No, I agree. There's nobody. And, and I mean that. If you say Saban can do it, check Saban's record against Michigan. It's it's under 500. Right. Um, except for with Alabama. If you count it with Alabama, they they have beat us. But when he was at LSU, they lost to Michigan. When he was at Michigan State, he lost to Michigan. Look at Dabo Sweeney. I mean, we've beat Dabo before. We've beat Brian Kelly plenty of times. All, I'm just naming the people in the playoffs right now. We've right. beaten many teams that are that have a lot of pedigree. It's literally been Jim, Jim Tressel and Urban Meyer that has owned Michigan. And even when Urban pl- was a coach at Florida, we owned Florida. So whatever the case may be, if Urban leaves, I feel like there's going to be a change in the guard 
because there's not anybody out there that I can see that can do what Urban does to get Ohio State up for Michigan. Right. Ohio State had a home run when they found out that Urban Meyer wanted to come here. I mean, that was just a blessing in disguise after the whole Jim Trestle thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will say this. I did apologize to Buckeye Nation, but I still stand behind my comments. I don't believe Ohio State could hang with Alabama. I don't care what the offense does. Alabama can still play pretty good defense, and their offense is unstoppable. I think if, if you and – and it was shown in this game, which is what I thought what Michigan would do, but they didn't do, and I'm very disappointed in them for it. You disrupt the quarterback, you win the game. And Tua is not a good quarterback under pressure. If they do what they did to Shea Patterson, they have more than a puncher's chance to beat Alabama. And I believe that. I still I can't put Ohio State in that in that top four because yeah, Oklahoma's got a loss and yeah, they don't play any defense, but you know, I still can't get over and I'm sure the committee's gonna end up saying this too. Ohio State'll end up finishing fifth in the final poll. You can't overcome a twenty-nine point loss to a, a six-win team. You just can't do it. That's you keep. That's that's that is an inexcusable road loss that can't happen if you want to be considered in today's environment. You put, but you put twenty-nine up on the number four team in the nation. Sixty-two. No, I mean twenty-nine point difference. Right. So it kind of negates it. Did you? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. You I lost did. to an unranked t- uh, at their at their house, which is. To me, acceptable, because you went to their you went to their stadium, you fell victim to their atmosphere. If you if you say that that isn't acceptable, then I, I don't even know what home field advantage means at this point. Well, part of me maybe is still holding is clinging to that lasting image of that thirty eight nothing loss to Clemson a few years ago. The fact that Alabama is as good as they are, I just don't want to see Ohio State get embarrassed again on the national stage because if they get embarrassed again, they're not going to get the benefit of the doubt anymore. They'll always be that fifth or sixth team no matter what they do unless if they're undefeated. Ohio State will get the benefit of the doubt <laughs> um, just as much as Florida State gets the benefit of the doubt when they don't deserve it. If Florida State's in the mix, they're going to get it. Ohio State's the same way. Notre Dame's the same way. They're, they're part of that pedigree. Michigan's the same way too. Do I think Michigan should have been raised up as high as they should have that quickly? Absolutely not. The two best teams on their schedule, they got killed. Not Notre Dame, but the two best teams on their schedule, they did not take care of business. Are they the number four team in the nation? Could they beat Georgia? I don't think so. Could they beat Oklahoma? I don't know. But that's still a flip of a coin. I can't definitively say that. Could they beat West Virginia? Most likely. But these things weren't definitive for them to be a number four team, in my opinion. But I'm not going to be mad about it if no. my team is number four. No. Uh, Michigan looked good. They looked like one of the better teams in the nation. Did they look like one of uh, a top four team? That was that was literally the Michigan pedigree saying, we want Jim Harbaugh to succeed. We have, They were behind Michigan. And it was never more evident because people wanted to put the pressure on Michigan, which they had it all on their court. All they had to do was win. They wanted Michigan to come and dethrone Alabama. This is why the narrative was there. Michigan has the best defense in college football. They could take care of Alabama. People were saying that and because they wanted it to happen. And Michigan just wasn't ready. Right. I mean, they're, they're to me what the Indians are to baseball right now. They're a good team, but they're just not ready to make that long run yet. And I'm okay with that. I, I'm okay with that we're, we're getting back. I feel that in the next couple of years, we're going to be talking about Michigan is deservedly one of those teams that need to be in the playoff as one of the best teams in the playoffs. Speaking of best teams, let's talk about what happened on Thursday. 
our annual Turkey Bowl game, the third annual Turkey Bowl. I was kind of uh, like Michigan. We uh, we got crushed, and uh, I, I got to give props to you guys. You guys took it to my team this year. Um, I will. I did not throw the ball nearly as well as I did last year. I threw. I overthrew the ball way too much. Um, I just thought I would step in and throw the ball like I did last year, and I was sadly mistaken. You guys were. You guys made plays when we didn't. I got to give it up to you. Yeah. So we appreciate that. Um, our 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 thought process was we had a couple of guys. We ain't losing to these guys again. Is that? <laughs> That, this fat kid is not going to beat me again. Our thought process was, <laughs> when we sit down and think about it, you guys don't understand the run that at least me and Brandon have been on together. And if you include Adam, for, for almost 18 years now, if you put all three of us on a team, it, it, you're, you would have to beat us in the submission to beat us. And the last two years were kind of, you know, you guys got the better of us with the touchdown. And that shocked us. What happened on Thursday is what normally happens. And that's what we believe should happen. And is it arrogant? Maybe a little bit. But is it arrogant if it's normally true? I don't think so. No. This is what we normally do. When you, Me and Brandon always, when we're on the same team, it's, it's tough. I mean, we've just been like the same dude. We've always been athletic. We've always been fast. We've always been strong. So when you put us on the same team in football, we're kind of thinking – all right, we should we should we should kill it. What we learned from you guys is that it's not about the home run ball. I mean, because that's what we are. We're home run hitters when it comes to football. It's not about the home run ball. Yeah, we didn't have a lot of fast it's, scoring game. drives last year. It was right. I just took my time, took what you gave me, and just made plays in the red zone. Exactly. This year, I tried to beat you with the deep ball, and I got too excited sometimes, and I overthrew everything. Exactly. I wasn't patient. So we realized that nickel and diming is the way to go. Like we took a page out of y'all's book. And we realized that we're just going to use what we have. We're going to use our speed, and that's it. We're just going to do that. We're going to we're going to beat you to the corners. We're going to beat you to the sidelines. That was our game plan. Thankfully, we executed it to the T. But also, I I had to give a shout out to our quarterback Chase. He played very well. We had he, no we yeah. had no idea that he was that good. We we had zero idea. We invited Chase because he's back in town just as I moved back. He moved back this year. Uh, Love the kid. And wanted him to come out and play, um, and he did. And you'll be seeing a lot more of him next year. So. Motivates the heck out of me. I tell you what, I can make this promise. I'm coming into that game in shape, so I can actually play some defense. And and I'm gonna throw the ball much better next year. I just I got too excited. I was thinking, you know, I was just like, oh, I'm gonna beat you guys with the deep pass. And I didn't look in front of me. I missed so many open guys right in front of me, just trying to hit the home run ball. Let's just get this over with. Let's just beat them into submission. And I got away from what I do best, and it cost us. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of times where you were basically in the situations we were the past two years. You know, all you need is the first down, and you've gone deep, and now you're in third down. So now you, you guys go in panic mode, and you try to throw the short ball, yet – we're not going to give you the space to throw the short ball now. Nope. Like so, and you guys were in a position too. You were up. I've been playing from with a lead from ahead. It's like, all right, well, cool. We stop you. I'm going to go up by two scores, and then I can really, really take my time. Well, now it's like, all right, I got to maybe throw some balls that I'm not used to throwing, or mm-hmm. try to put some balls in some spots that I'm not used to putting them into. Mm-hmm. And you know, you guys, Brandon definitely defended Corbin much better this year because some of the tricks that worked the first two years. Didn't work so much this past time it's, out. It's gonna if we keep doing this, which I hope we do, and I shouldn't say if when we keep doing this, it's gonna be tougher and tougher every year. Um, right. 
especially if the same guys come out. And Brandon and Corbin have seen each other three years in a row now. So that's almost going to negate. They're, they're going to be negated pretty much. They're going to know each other. It's my goal to negate you next year to get in that kind of shape, to at least say, hey, I don't have to put you know older guys on your earth. What, what day is this? November 26th. November, you, November 26th. You, you say you're going to negate me. I want to try to negate <laughs> you. I don't want you to be as big of a factor as you were. Maybe limit you. Because I, can I stop you? No, but can I contain you? Yes. I don't know. I don't know I'd like mean. to, you know. But if you, also, if I'm in that kind of shape, that's good for me because I'm True. not fat anymore. What so. I will tell you is if you if you feel if you feel that you could do that, I'll put some incentive on the line for that. Man. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll put fifty bucks on the line if you could contain me, and that means less than two touchdowns. Less than two touchdowns. Oh my goodness! I will have to see. We'll have to see what kind of I shape aver- I actually I, get. I mean, time. I keep my stats in my head. I average two every every year. Every year. Every year. I average two. I should have had four this year. And I dropped two. You witnessed that. Yeah, I, I'm pretty pissed at myself for that. Yeah, you. I mean, I didn't even say anything because I'm like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not gonna do it. A, because we're already losing, and B, I just know the look I'm gonna get. It ain't worth it. <laughs> he knows what he did. Like oh. you, you dropped the ball. I immediately turned around. My eyes got as big as saucers. I go, he ain't gonna see this. But holy, holy blank, he just dropped a golden touchdown. I dropped two. But and, then you guys and, ended up scoring anyway. And, so I, it didn't and I, went, I went back and apologized to Chase. I said, man, don't. Don't think I can't catch. Just think that I'm, I was being stupid and just dropped the ball. Like, yeah. That's just how I felt about it. Like I literally was wide open to the point that it was like a pop fly that you just had to sit there and wait on. And I got over-anxious, didn't time my catch-up, and just dropped both of them. So, And the way I look at it is we, we, we will keep the teams the same or similar with you, Brandon, and Adam on the team, and then me and Corbin and his dad if he comes out. At least for another year, because I look at it, if we beat you three out of four years, then maybe we mix it up a little bit. But if you guys come back and beat us again next year, then we got game five two years from now. Uh, where we got to, uh, we're, I'm to, guaranteeing another the, win. The, day, the, the settle of all settles. We're coming for y'all. We're guaranteeing another win. That's fine. I'm telling you. I'm guaranteeing. I'm just going to have to start throwing the ball a little <laughs> bit more. Uh, I'd like to move on real quick and throw a special shout-out, too. I had the opportunity, and I'm definitely feeling the effects of it uh, still today, I went out and played on Friday morning. Um, every Thanksgiving, the Meadows family does a, a Special Olympics, or, uh, or not a Special Olympics, a turkey bowl that benefits miscellaneous charities um, around the, the area. But the next day, they have a special Special Olympians uh, turkey bowl where anyone that wants to play can come out and play with the Special Olympics. And Bill Beagle uh, helps run that tournament with uh, Mr. Meadows. And um, even though my team lost the game that we should have won, um, and I thought I tore my quad. I felt a pop in the quad mm. trying to catch a pass from Cerny in the end zone. Um, it was a blast, and I invite anyone next year to come out and, uh, and play. Uh, those athletes are definitely uh, amazing. Uh, what, they, what they do to go out there and compete is amazing, um, and it was, I, other than playing with you guys, that's the most fun I've had playing football in a long it's, time. It's, it's a different feel. It's, it's special. I, I can understand that, absolutely. Um, in fact, I, I would love to, to play with those guys, um, and you know, see what they got. You know, you know, give them a chance to, to play against people who are, are like us. You know, right. we should come out there and 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 mingle with them and, and things like that. So, I, I would love to do a Friday thing. It's just the fact that hopefully we I can get off. Yeah, same here. Now Friday next next yep. year, um, and and everything like that. But I would love to be a part of that game for one hundred percent. Man, it it was a blast. Uh, congratulations to the Orange team. They ended up winning the whole thing, um, but uh, it's not so much about winning. It's just about going out there and having fun with those uh, with those athletes because 
they do a fantastic job. And, uh, you know, on the basketball side, they've changed my life. And I got to meet a lot of them who maybe don't play basketball but play other sports and, and come out and play. So that was a lot of fun, and uh, I can't wait to do it again next year as long as I don't blow my quad out again. You know, and I feel like more <laughs> people need to get out and experience what this, this is all about. It's all about just fellowship and camaraderie and fun. Mm-hmm. Too often at our age, and this is what I love about us when we play the Turkey Bowl, as competitive as we are and as way we verbally spar with each other, Corbin, Brandon, me, you, Adam, everybody, when that game is over, we're still buds. We shake it up. Yep. We walk off the field. Anything that happens on the field, we laugh it off. Right. And there's no there's no bitter. There's no immaturity that happens. I'm going to get on my soapbox because too often this past year in rec sports that I've been playing, we have a bunch of grown men and women that I play some code with that act like children, and it's ridiculous. Like This is why I feel like you should go to events like this so you can understand that it's about the game. It's about fun. It's not about being upset and over knick-knack stuff. You don't get paid for this. You're not when, – when when we walk off that field for Turkey Day, all we get is bragging rights for a year. Right. That means nothing. Right. At, at the end of the day. Nothing. You're right. We get no money for it. We get no trophy for it. We get no, you know, parade, ticker tape parade for it. At the end of the day, we walked off and we had a great time. I need more of that to happen. I shouldn't be separating, and I'm, I kid you guys not, I should not be separating in a co-ed soccer game a female from a male from fighting. I should not have to do that um, in, in, in baseball. I should not have to argue with people over playing time and argue with people's dads in the stand because they're upset that their son, who is 36 years old, isn't playing. I need rec sports to get better, and I feel like if everybody's listening out to me, take your step and making sure you have good sportsmanship. That's what I'm asking for. I'll get off my soapbox, but I'm so sick and tired of the poor sports playing rec sports when you don't get paid for it. Right. You, you, you pay your money to go out there, and it's supposed to be a break from whatever's going on in life. It's maybe even a stress reliever. If work's tough or maybe your finances are tough, you go out and you, you hit the hell out of a baseball for a few hours or you kick the heck out of a soccer ball. But, you know, at the end of the day, you go home, you still have a family, you still have, you know, your job to go to. It's not worth getting in a fight and losing everything over 15 seconds of a stupid rage. Take a deep breath and walk away from it. Or come watch one of our games, our basketball games, or come play with these athletes and just see this is how the game's meant to be played. That you know, Do they want to win? Yes. But at the end of the day, they're shaking hands. They're laughing. with Even they know a lot of our kids know a lot of athletes from other, other um, counties. They're laughing it up. They're having a good time because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Right. The Browns, wow. All I can say yesterday, Jay, wow. They, uh, lack of a better term, they just kicked the crap out of the Bengals yesterday. And they deserved it. And, you know, you know, the Bengals deserved it because they went and made a move to bring Hugh Jackson in. And Hugh Jackson is the worst, too, for going there. Um, they deserved it. And the last two times the, the Browns have been on the field, they've looked like an NFL football team. They look like somebody that has, is way better without Hugh Jackson. Well, I think it's. Uh, I think it was a very telling sign. Before we get into the game, I'll just you know mention a couple of things that I saw. You know, Baker Mayfield, a Hugh Jackson's looking for players and people to talk to after the game. Nobody was looking for him. He was looking for other players, which was something that was noted on the post game show, which I thought was kind of weird. And he went to get Baker a hug, and Baker was like handshake, and that's it. Yeah. And then was... Baker's like, "We've got we've got the right people calling plays now." 
I don't without saying you suck. That is the closest thing to saying you you're you suck that I've ever heard a professional athlete say. I mean, he threw Hugh under the bus and then backed it up twice and ran over him again just to make sure that the job was done. Well, you know, I don't think the animosity would have been there if Hugh would have just stayed quiet and, and just went off into the sunset and got another job next year. You can't fault him for going to the Bengals next year. Right. But in the middle of a playoff race and it's close like that, I would be resentful too that the dude that I entrusted – you know, my career with, who said, I will always be here for you, um, I'm in your corner, decides he gets fired and immediately goes to one of our division rivals. You can't even go to the Lions. You can't go to Florida, one of the Florida teams. You don't go anywhere, but you go to the Cincinnati Bengals, who's in the same state. In the same division. And, and we play you in two weeks. That's jacked up. And right. I'm, I'm glad Baker Mayfield showed that his resentment was there because Hugh Jackson deserves it. He's 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 a pump for that. Right. Here's a direct quote right after the game. Didn't feel like talking to him. He was here trying to tell us to play for him. Then he goes to a team you play twice a year. That's how I feel. We have people we believe in calling the plays now. And and that's a telltale sign. And I'm sure that Baker was more more or less mad, but I'm sure he hit the play calling has been miles miles better than what it was with Hugh Jackson. Uh, they've basically been calling plays where it has been to Baker Mayfield's forte. He's looked like the old old, uh, the old Oklahoma quarterback that he was. Hugh Jackson wasn't that guy, and Todd Haley was, wasn't doing it for him because he wanted his job. Right. So we are so much further from where we were when Hugh Jackson was our coach. Baker Mayfield's right, but part of me that was part of me of what he said sounded like he was hurt and it was he was being petty about it, and I loved it. I, I've said it today. A lot of things happened in that game that were classless from the Browns, and normally I'd be up in arms about classless stuff. But you know what? Hugh Jackson started it, so right. we finished it. And then um, D- Damian Woody on first take today said that. Uh, Baker Mayfield needs to grow up. And to Baker's credit, he doubled down on his comments. And basically, this was an Instagram post today. Not even comparable. I didn't lose 30-plus games, be fake, and then do that. I wasn't going to have a scholarship. Good try, though, buddy. First of all, whoo, first of all, why is Baker May- why does Baker Mayfield have to grow up? He's a young man. Uh, in his mind, he is grown. So why does he have to grow up? He didn't do anything that was... That was immature. He said how he felt and answered the question that he was asked. Right. That's not immature. Damian Woody needs to grow up and get off his horse. That's what. That's why he's at ESPN, the crappiest network for sports of all time. Right. They're out there just trying to say stuff to get reactions. They're not even trying to give you a good opinion in there. That's not even a fair opinion to tell Baker Mayfield to grow up. My man's 23, 24 years old. He's a young man who has passion, who is upset that the man that he came in the league that said that he would be there for him basically turned his back on him and then went to his bitter rival. The betrayal there is is outrageous. What was Baker Mayfield supposed to say? Nah, be happy, Hugh Jackson. Go to our rival, basically tell him all our secrets, and basically screw me out of making it to the playoffs. Get right. out of here, Damon Woody. Well, I mean, you know, the to, to the Browns' credit, though, I mean, I don't know what Hugh Jackson could have told the Bengals that would have helped them because, you know, the Falcons admitted – uh, you know that they had the Browns were doing stuff they hadn't seen before. I'd have to think that they had some packages in place yesterday where it was 
we haven't seen this, you know, they haven't seen this before. Um, the players were begging, and this is something I heard Daryl Ryder talking about. They were begging to be coached harder, to be coached better, to be coached more. And Hugh Jackson was more concerned about being people's friends than coaching people and having the respect. And to me, as a coach, I would rather have the respect of my players than be their friend. Because if they respect me, they'll run through a wall for me. If I'm their buddy, we're going to be buddy-buddy after the game, and it doesn't matter if we win or lose because at the end we're still friends. And that's the biggest difference I see in this team. They're being coached. Greg Williams isn't taking mediocrity as acceptable. He's holding guys accountable. They are calling things that are finally putting our playmakers in better positions to make the, to, to make the plays. So, And the icing on the cake for all that is Demarius Randall picking off a ball and walking over to the Bengals sidelines, handing the ball to Hugh Jackson on TV. Almost fell off my couch. And, and to me, that shows it also shows Hugh Jackson's character. He, he tried to take the high route, and he ended up looking like a chump. He actually grabbed the ball from Demarius Randall. Um, what? Why would you do that? You know, you're, you're, you're a coach, you're assistant coach on the sideline. I don't condone you putting your hands on the athlete, but I'm not taking the ball from you. No. Like, not at all. I would literally just stare at you if yeah. you brought the ball up to me. That's how I that's Yeah, he how had I'm his doing. hands there like, he, yeah. He I'm... took the package from the guy who was literally disrespecting him. I have so many analogies that I could say that that was basically like that they wouldn't be appropriate for this podcast. He basically disgraced Hugh Jackson in front of the national audience, and it made everybody laugh. In fact, if I'm if I'm you know Lewis, I, I don't want Hugh Jackson on my sideline. If, they, right. if that's if that's how they're just gonna punk you like that on on TV, I don't want you on my sideline. You're Is punk. It, isn't it? Um, it's no coincidence that losing and misery seem to follow Hugh Jackson wherever he goes. I mean, not that the Bengals were a good team, but they have been utterly destroyed like the Browns have been utterly destroyed the last two and a half years under Hugh Jackson's tutelage. And I I don't think it's any secret. Yeah, that's their so-called buddy. That's their so-called guy. And if, you know, they want to rid themselves of Marvin Lewis and hire Hugh Jackson, thank you because that's two wins every year for me. Thank you very much. Yeah, I think that that Marvin Lewis is on his way out. And if your job, if you really saw the the fact what Hugh did at – in Cleveland, if you hire him, I want your job, man. Yeah. You know, I really do because I, sitting here, you know, right now with no experience, would know not to hire Hugh Jackson as my coach. I don't care what personnel I have. I, I'm not hiring Hugh Jackson, even if I was hiring him for the Patriots. You know, I'm not hiring He Hugh has Jackson. no credibility left in this league. Um, and it's no coincidence, too, that you get rid of Hugh Jackson – you get rid of Todd Haley, the two guys kind of going at each other. And since they've been gone, Baker Mayfield has thrown for nine touchdowns, 900 yards, and one pick in the three games that Hugh Jackson's been gone. Coincidence? I think not. And we'll also talk about the running game has been on fire. Nick Chubb is, is beyond beyond what he should be right now. He oh is my gosh. racking up yards, the amazing catch that he had yesterday uh, that most wide receivers can't even make that play. It's 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 a different football team, and I said it this year when people were saying same old Browns, same old this. I said this is not the same team no. at all. This is not the same personnel that we've seen year in and year out. We have good talent that just needs to be coached in the right way, and we win a lot of games for sure. And you know, yesterday the only criticism I have is they kind of took their foot off the gas in the second half, and I get it. You haven't been in a position where you've been up 28 points in, since 1991, they said, I, I read. So, and even, you know, last week or two weeks ago against the Falcons, they got up by two touchdowns. I kind of got a little complacent. 
In that game yesterday, I would have kept my foot on the gas until he had scored 49, 56 points, just to prove a point, because they easily could have done that. Baker was 19 of 26, 258, and four touchdowns. However, he was only 2 of 7 for 13 yards in the second half. Clearly, they were trying to, you know, bleed the clock, run the ball, run the ball, but... When Driscoll came in and started moving the ball, I would have, I, they've got to find a way to be able to turn the Jets back on after they've turned the Jets off a little bit because in those situations against teams like a team like New England or a team like uh, uh, Pittsburgh or even the Chiefs, if they were to somehow eke their way into the playoffs, they're going to have to play one of these teams where if they do get a lead like that, they've got to keep it up. They can't sit back and try to run, run the clock out because teams are going to steamroll them. I thought they went into prevent too early and – I think that's something that they're going to learn from. I don't think Greg Williams is a guy that's going to continue to do the same thing just because maybe it was a little successful. If you see that it's starting to slip a little bit, you change it up. And you know, that's my only criticism of yesterday is don't take your foot off the gas. I think Keep going until the game is – until the fourth quarter when you know the game's in hand and you pull your starters. But yesterday was a day where you could have put – your third-string quarterback in, or even Tyrod Taylor in in the fourth quarter if they would have kept their foot on the gas. I think it's hard to, to uh, take your foot off the gas and reapply it uh, in many situations. Um, you know, this is exactly why in the Ohio State-Michigan game, Mich- uh, Ohio State made sure to put that 62 on there because Michigan is was, was darn capable of taking that game away from them if they got complacent. Right. So, you know, it's tough. I mean, it's, it's easier to let off the gas than it is to – to, to put on the gas, and I think that's what they experienced yesterday is they may have let off the gas a little too early. They were able to stop the bleeding, and they were able to, to, to come out with the win. Um, but I would just advise, you know, next time, let's wait a little longer before you decide to put the brakes on. Right. You know, uh, you yes- never know. You just never know. Right. I mean, yesterday was fun, and aside from some of the frustrating losses we've had, you know, the the Bengal, I'm sorry, the, the, the Saints game, the, the – uh, Bunkadeers game, the Oakland game. Those frustrations aside, I haven't had this much fun watching a Browns team since the first 11 games of the 2014 season before they threw Johnny Dickhead in there and, and threw the whole season to hell, thanks to you know Mr. Haslam. But um, this is this is fun. This is fun to watch this team grow. It's fun to watch them get moxie, to get a swagger. And you, you kick the crap out of the, the Falcons. You kick the crap out of the Bengals. You have a very hot Texans team coming in next week. If you manage to pull, or you're going to, to play the Texans next week, um, can you imagine if they pull off another one and they're 5-6-1, and one, they're a game and a half out of the last playoff spot, and they still play the Ravens and the Bengals again? Yeah, and for me, the reason why it's fun it is no coincidence because they're winning, but it's also because they look better. Um, they don't look... You know, they don't look inept. They incompetent. They they look like an NFL franchise that just caught some bad breaks. That's what they they look like. In a sense, you can almost say they look like the Packers. I mean, I mean, they got the same record. Uh, yeah. So you could say that they kind of just caught some bad breaks and and met teams at the wrong time. Uh, you know, if you go back to some of those games, you can look and say we darn could be, you know, a seven and four, seven four and one team. So it definitely is more fun watching them play this year. I've had a lot of fun. I've actually, you know, wanted to go to more games than I've ever wanted to go because this team has a chance. It's not a joke. I'm not going to pay hundreds of dollars to go to a stadium and freeze my butt off for a team that's not even going to give me an effort. Right. This team is out there giving an effort every down, trying to win the game, and just sometimes just, just come up short. They're not coming up, you know, 
they're not coming up weak. They're just coming up short. And they showed me a lot by going into Cincinnati with an with, with an agenda and, and embarrassing Hugh Jackson and the Cincinnati Bengals this right. weekend. And I loved every bit of it because that, to me, shows a team that has some hunger. And even if the Bengals would have had A.J. Green yesterday – um, and, you know, a lot of the players kind of said, you know, we would have kind of hoped that Andy Dalton would have, wouldn't have gotten knocked out because it sounds like they had a game plan in place for Andy Dalton, which they were working to a T. I mean, when he got injured in that third quarter, he only had 100 yards in the air. Things were not going well for that football team. Uh, you know, and now that Driscoll's had a few, have a couple quarters in him by the time the Browns play him again because Dalton's out for the year with that with the broken thumb. Uh, you know they're they're going to be more prepared for Jeff Driscoll. I don't think Jeff Driscoll did anything extraordinary. I just think they didn't. The Browns didn't have any tape on him. They weren't able to anticipate what he would do in certain situations. But they're going to have time to figure that out. But um, let's talk about the Texans. Deshaun Watson and Baker Mayfield are separated by 200 yards and a touchdown pass. Is there a difference in stats? Very similar seasons. Very similar style quarterbacks. Um, the Texans are missing Will Fuller, which I think is gonna, is hurting them. I mean, they've won with a little bit of defense, but they're banged up a little bit. Uh, their running backs have been banged up. Deshaun Watson's coming up back from that ACL injury. Credit to them for winning seven in a row. Probably going to win eight in a row this weekend or to this tonight. But um, you beat that team. That's three quality opponents that you've beaten in a row. Two of them on the road. All the win, all those streaks, Jay. They're gone. Let me go back before we get to the Texans. The streaks are gone. Losing, losing streak. Gone week one. Yeah, still it was a tie. Um, you have beaten or tied every team in the division this year because you tied Pittsburgh and you've beaten the other two other teams. You've won on a Sunday. You finally won a road game. So, same old Browns. They're not the same old Browns like we've talked about. Not at all. Those streaks are gone. Now we're starting positive winning streaks. And quite honestly, I was looking at the schedule – they could really, really, really win the last five. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think we're, we're making strides, and I would say, I would say to the fan base, be careful of getting your expectations too high. I know the, the Texans are still the Texans, yeah. and they still have Deshaun Watson, who's a more seasoned quarterback than Baker. But let's have fun with it. Let's enjoy the ride. Let's not sit here and crap on the Browns when they 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 do lose. Let's sit here and enjoy the ride. We have we have four more wins than we had last season. Mm-hmm. Three more wins than we've had in two years. I think the Browns have done, held their end of the bargain. They've showed me that next year, coming next year, we could be a really good team. Could be a playoff contender next year, depending on who we put in there as quarter, uh, quarterback. Coach. Depending on who we get as coach and offensive coordinator. Um, that's what I'm looking at right now. I am not going to become... One of those spoiled fans that is so high on our team when we're winning, but literally tells everybody to get out the door when we're losing. Right. I'm not going to do that with the Browns. So if they don't beat the Texans, I'm not going to be mad at them. No, not at all. They've already exceeded my expectation. Can we beat the Texans? I think we can beat any team that we've played this year. That's my honest opinion. That includes the Saints because we almost did. I don't care how the good Saints are playing right now. I still feel that the Browns are contenders to beat anybody they play this year. It's just getting over those humps. That's right. literally it. And so can we win the last five games? I hope so. Will we realistically? I don't think so. No. Because you need to win those to, to even have a shot, I think. And I'm not crapping on the parade. I'm just, just being realistic. Sure. I'm, what I'm saying is, is I want them to beat the, the last five teams. 
But I promise you one thing the Browns will do. They'll play like they're going to beat the last five teams because they know what's up. They don't They don't even deserve. No, I know what. Take that deserve back. They shouldn't be where they're at right now, and yet they've clawed and scratched to keep themselves in the equation. I don't think the Browns are going away. I, yeah. I really don't. Not at all. I, and I think that if any team is treating this like the past Browns where this is just a scrimmage, you're going to lose. You will lose this game, and it's just like the Falcons did when they came in. They may not have seen all the tape on the Browns, but I'm sure they came in thinking that this is the Browns. We could beat them. We're, we're the Atlanta Falcons. That didn't happen. Right. They got punched in the mouth and couldn't make it come and couldn't make a comeback. I'm sure the same thing happened with the Bengals. Is we've beaten the Browns plenty of times. We could do this again. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's oh, this is not the same team. And it's too late when you realize that right. this isn't the same team. Baker Mayfield isn't the same in that quarterback that come is back there. He's actually a decent quarterback that can find his receivers and make the right play. This isn't your this isn't your dad's Browns. This is the new age Browns. This is our this is our younger generation's Browns. This is our Browns right now. Our generation's Browns. They're gonna do some things if not this year, certainly next year. Certainly next year. You know, I think the keys for the game next weekend, um, you've got a very dynamic quarterback in in Deshaun Watson. Um, you have to respect what he can do, not only throwing the ball but running the ball. If you don't respect either of those, he'll kill you. Um, but really the only the only weapon that concerns me right now uh, for receivers is DeAndre Hopkins. If you can shut down DeAndre Hopkins, none of the other guys can beat you. Will Forrell's out for the season. Uh, Kute has been banged up. Kiki Kuti. Kiki Kuti has been banged up. for the, He had a couple, he had one good game, one and a half good game slash in a fan. <coughs> Since then, he really hasn't done much. Uh, running game, nothing really to write home about. Alfred Blue and Lamar Miller are a good one-two punch, but they're not great. They can be stopped. Um, the defense, the Texans defense, yeah, J.J. Watt's having a pretty decent year, but outside of that, I really couldn't tell you who's on their team other than Jadavian Clowney. If you if you continue the way Baker Mayfield gets rid of the ball, they can't get to him. Yeah. The key for me is keeping Deshaun Watson in the pocket and making him beat you with his arm. If you do that, you have a great chance. But if you get into these situations where your back is turned to the quarterback and he takes off, you're not going to win this game. Same no. with the, the, the Panthers coming up. Uh, same with Cam Newton. You turn mm-hmm. your back to Cam Newton, he's going to run. Actually, he hasn't been running this much this year, but if you do turn your back to him, those are two quarterbacks you got to keep in the pocket. So for me, the key to the game is the pass rush. Miles Garrett's got to get home. Ogan Joby's got to get home. Collins has got to get home. Like when they go in there, they got to get home. And if they don't get home and allow Deshaun Watson to sit back there and make a decision between finding the open receiver or extending the play and running, we're gonna have a long day. I think it would be the exact same way if we play the same defense that we played against Julio Jones. I think we got a good chance. We pretty much shut Julio Jones down, and you'll, people will look at Julio Jones' numbers and say, he had 100 and some yards that game. Nah, those were 100 and some garbage yards. Right. When basically the Browns went into a pre-fed defense and went into zone, Julio Jones just sat down in the zone and got yards after They catch. gave him those 10, 15-yard patches in they, front of the defense, and, and that's did. fine. They did, they, but they wouldn't let Julio Jones score a touchdown. Nope. Do the same thing to uh, um, DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins. I think we got a good chance to win. I this is the this is past the puncher's chance to me. I think we got a good chance to be in there. I think that if I had to put a percentage, confidence percentage on it, I would say it's about 60-40 right now that that the the Houston Texans should beat us. I think it's about a 60% chance. That's what I believe. And if the Browns execute their defense to a T and hold down DeAndre Hopkins, I don't think and keep Deshaun Watson in the pocket, it's going to be a long day for that offense. It right. really will be. 
Right now, they have the uh, Texans as a four-point favorite before they play tonight. They play tonight against the Titans. I think the Titans are a sinking ship. They had a little bit of a nice spurt there, um, but I don't see them being able to... to they, they're just The Titans are so banged up on both sides of the ball. Um, I don't even know how Marcus Mariota is playing. Uh, honestly, I really I really don't. Um, he's he's beat up, and I think we can safely say he's not a franchise quarterback. Um, yeah, I think he's their franchise quarterback, but should he be playing as much as he does? I don't really think so. No. Uh, I, I really don't. I, I think they've given him a nice run. I think the Texans, um, I, excuse me, I think the Titans need to go out and in the draft and really evaluate what's out there um, and make a decision to either – cause some quarterback controversy next season or get their franchise quarterback. Right. Um, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward uh, to the game. I'm going to tell you right now, and you know, maybe I'm just getting a little high with Browns fever, but um, uh, it's not gonna, the Browns aren't going to put up 35 like they did this past weekend. I don't see that. Um, but I see uh, 24-20. Browns win this Sunday. Yeah, I don't have a prediction like that. I, I do... It's because it's tough for me, because the Texans aren't that great of a team, even though they've won seven uh, in a row. Seven in a row, and they, they're going to beat the Titans. But the teams that they've faced, it's not like they've been beating anybody noteworthy. It's yeah, not like they, let's look at their schedule and see who they beat. Seven in a row. I don't feel that they put down any giants. Here we go. This run. They lost to New England to start the season. They lost to Tennessee, and they lost to the Giants. They beat Indianapolis, who's streaking. Indy's a lot better than we thought they were going to be. They won that game in overtime. They beat Dallas in overtime. Whoop-de-doo. Dallas is in a terrible division. L.A. Alex Smith is hurt. They beat Buffalo by 7, and Buffalo's terrible. They beat Jacksonville by 13. Jacksonville's terrible. They destroyed the Dolphins. The Dolphins are nothing special, and they beat Denver. And then they, they the only noteworthy team that they beat is Washington, and they did it with Alex Smith suffering that horrific injury. So... It, you know that that's that's what I, that's what I mean. It's just it, you know their seven straight hasn't been anything impressive. The Browns are the best team in the, of those seven, and of, of those eight or nine that they're gonna. You know, so so I'm sitting back looking at this, thinking you know the Browns could win this game, but I just don't have a confidence feel at this moment in time of who would win that game. I, I like your prediction. I just with the Browns this year, it's really tough for me to pick. Like even with the Bengals game, I didn't I didn't think we'd come out and slap them around like that. Right. I I, I thought we could beat them, but I didn't think we'd come around and slap them around. And I, I guess for it me, it just shows the momentum you can get when you come out focused and you get off to a fast start and you drive the ball down on your first possession and you score a touchdown. That changes the complexion of a game and even the attitude of a team right from the get go. Hey, we're coming out. We're going to punch you in the mouth. We're going to get a lead and we're going to play defense from there. And the Browns did that. If they can do that again, there's no reason why they can't come home 5-6-1 and one against a very, very struggling Panthers team who have lost three in a row. I agree. And it also shows when you get rid of Hugh Jackson what happens to your team as well. So Yeah, screw you, Hugh. <laughs> so the Cavs are now ranked 27th out of 30th in NBA teams on power rankings on uh, ESPN. Uh, do we still care at all? You know, the thing about with the Cavs is you kind of just taking one ear and you're kind of just listening like you would if your child was in the background. You want to make sure they're not hurt, at least. Right. But, you, you know, you're going to let them do their thing right now because the Cavs aren't good. And I think most of us just need time to understand that we don't have a good basketball team anymore. Um, 
I think most of us are interested in whether or not we're going to get Zion if he's coming out or RJ from Duke. Uh, I, I think we care about that, but as far as this season goes, uh, again, it's all a foregone conclusion. Uh, even though the, the Golden State Warriors have been struggling, that's who's going to win the championship, and it's not going to be the Cavs. So Yeah, I mean, against my better judgment, my wife was working later on a Friday. I totally neglect my husband duty. She gets off at 10. I am. And we were doing something really easy, too, so it's not like I had to put any effort into it. I think I was making salad with pre-made chicken already. You know, just nothing crazy, but I sucked myself into watching that stupid game on Friday, and then... One thing led to another. The Cavs didn't make enough plays. I was impressed with how they fought through it, but like the game was over. My wife goes, still on your sabbatical? I was like, yep, done. Never again. <laughs> you know, with the, with the Lakers, we played well against the Lakers, but, uh, you know, that's the game that we all should have watched. I really appreciate the way the Cleveland fans handled LeBron's return. Yes. Um, it, it shows that we have class. The first time was, was disappointing. You know, I, I hated the way he did it, but we... I mean, to the rest of the world, because at the time I was in Georgia, to the rest of the world, we looked like child, uh, children. Yeah. We really did. Uh, we looked immature as I made Albert Bell's return look like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> absolutely. And and for me, I, I as an Ohioan at the time, I was embarrassed because, you know, I get why everybody was upset, but you guys were upset at the time about a 24-year-old doing 24-year-old things. Uh that's exact same when Damian Woody says to Baker Mayfield he needs to grow up. Yeah. I want to ask all you guys out there, at 24, how grown up were you? Because I know I wasn't. I was still doing dumb stuff at 20, 24. I was still doing things that people disagreed with when I was 24 because I wanted to find my own way. I thought I was a man at that point mm-hmm. and I could make my decisions on my own, even no matter how bad those decisions were or how they looked to somebody else. They may not even been bad. It just may, may have looked incorrect to somebody who's already been there and done that. So the way people handled LeBron's decision, it was totally immature to me. And the way they did it this year, I was, I was very excited that people made sure to understand that this man provided destiny to us in a championship, something that most of us never thought we would see. Right. Uh, but before, after, during LeBron James, none of us thought that the city of Cleveland was going to get a championship. So that standing ovation the the you know classy video that they did to him bravo cleveland i appreciate the way you guys handled it let me ask you this because I, I i still I, I honestly don't know how i feel about it maybe you have some thoughts i'll try to put some together um they did an interview with uh maverick carter one of ron's business uh, partners they went to mm-hmm. school together and um he said he could see lebron or you know he'd like to see lebron maybe try to buy the Cavs one day do you see that ever happening? Is that something that you think LeBron would be interested in doing? I mean, I'm sure he wants to own a team, but does he want to own this team? I mean, I'd be happy to get rid of Dan Gilbert because I think he is the worst owner on the Cleveland sports scene. Um, but is that something that uh, we want to see, potentially? Yeah, I actually want to see it. Do I think it will happen? That's a flip of a coin. We don't know what LeBron James is ever thinking. That man is five steps ahead of us. He's playing chess while we're all playing checkers. Right. And so for... Him, I think if it's the right time and, and it's the right situation when he retires, yeah. But if it's not, he's not going to do it. No. And he and everybody shouldn't put pressure on him to do it. Because no. it's about him and his kids and, and him and his kids and his wife. He's always put his family first. And his decisions haven't been about 
what us fans care about LeBron James. It's been about what his family wants. Savannah didn't want to be in Miami anymore. She wanted to come back to Ohio. So he came back and he was a Cavalier. Yeah. His son is now in high school and playing basketball at one of the more prestigious high schools in the nation to play basketball with. So he went to be a Laker. If people say it was a business decision, and it definitely wasn't a basketball move. So it's tough for me to believe that I could put a confidence meter on LeBron by the Cavs because LeBron's doing whatever's best for him at the time. Right. So I'd love to see it, though. Right. Get Dan Gilbert out of here. Yeah. I feel like LeBron would put a team on the floor that would certainly compete every year. I 100% believe that. Uh, Jaguars bench Bortles hours after firing offensive coordinator. Well, you should have benched Blake Bortles when you started losing your seven in a row. I would have benched him four weeks ago, but uh, you four weeks ago had to bench him two years ago. Right. He they got where they got last year because of their defense. It wasn't anything Blake Bortles did. Blake had, Bortles played was a game manager last year. That, right. That was he had a great game against Pittsburgh and a shootout, and that was mm-hmm. that was it. Um, Phil versus Tiger, take it or leave it. What'd you think? So I tried to do a little poll, and I think people were more on the leave it side. I'm not a golf fan, so leave it. Because for me, you know you've hit it when the the amateur casual fan is tuning in. But uh, I would love to see LeBron Kobe on pay-per-view. Yeah. I'd, I'd take that for sure. I'd pay for LeBron Michael, even at Michael's age. Yeah, I, I would take that. You, you know Michael would game up for that. He would bust his ass, get in shape, and he would game up for that because he, there ain't no way LeBron is going to. Man, you, you can't shut Michael Jeffrey Jordan, Jordan up, man. <laughs> I, 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 the other day I made a, I made a comment <clears throat> because the ESPN retweeted or actually posted again um, for whatever consecutive years again when – Michael Jordan shot the free throw with his eyes closed to Spike Mutombo. Yeah. And I literally comment, I wonder how much Michael pays ESPN to keep him relevant. Yeah. And somebody commented on it, and I refuse to argue with trolls because you can't. Right. You can't argue with trolls. You're just feeding into them exactly. at that point. Yeah. So I'll say my response to that troll right now. My response to that troll is, when, this is what his response was, was, yeah, like Michael Jordan would have to, the greatest basketball player in the world would have to pay ESPN to get him relevant, keep him relevant. Okay, I say to you this. Why haven't they done anything for Wayne Gretzky, the greatest hockey player of all time? Why do you not hear anything about Ken Griffey Jr. or Barry Bonds or Mark McGuire? These guys, every single year of what accomplishments that they, they have done, they've literally let pretty much every greatest of all time or greatest of all time disappear into the sunset, Period. The only one they ever talk about is Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan was the greatest basketball player of all time to me. I, I, I will know that I can't say that that LeBron James and Kobe Bryant are better. Especially Kobe's career is over. I still think Michael Jordan is better. LeBron hasn't finished his career. Let me get that. When he finishes his career, I'll tell you who's better at that point. Michael would have won eight in a row if he wouldn't have left to play baseball. I agree. One hundred percent agree. There's they were they and you can put to bed the the if you were to put together Michael in his prime with his teams, the height of their championship runs versus Golden State now, Michael's team runs away because no one had a will to win or the respect of his teammates and had their will to win higher than Michael Jordan. That was a team. Yeah, Michael Jordan could score and take over a game, but those guys would run through a wall for that guy and Phil Jackson. So to me, those Bulls teams are some of the greatest teams of all time because of who who led them and how they, I mean, he was able to get a crazed Dennis Rodman to shut the hell up, do his job, rebound the ball, and play defense. 
Nobody else before or after him were able to do that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my thought is, is just because they have different styles of basketball, and this is not me comparing errors, this is just different two teams. If you go back to the Bulls, a, a three-point shot was, you saw maybe ten times a game. I think Golden State gets them because they shoot the three ball over 40 times a game, and they make it at a 50% clip. It's tough for Michael Michael Jordan. I almost said Michael Jackson. I don't know why. <laughs> but it's tough for Michael Jordan to actually compete with that unless he's raining threes along with him, uh, Chris Kerr. Chris Kerr. Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr. And uh, who was their other three-point shooter? Um, Paxton. Yes, John Paxton. They weren't – Kerr and Paxton weren't there at the same time. But literally they would have to maintain that. That's literally why LeBron struggles with – the LeBron-led team struggle with Golden State because when Golden State gets hot – from a three, you just can't compete. No, it's you over. Just, and if you try to and you you start missing, you miss two, three, four in a row, all of a sudden you're That's looking at – That's a long rebound. Yep. Three, and they're not going to the hoop. They're going to shoot the three ball. All of a sudden you're looking at a nine-point deficit that turns into 20 because you just can't keep up. Right. So that's my only say against, you know, the Bulls being the greatest team of all time. It's just that – do we give Golden State that nod because they are that dominant, or do we not give them that nod because they're only good at three-point shooting? Right. It's just it's just tough. But I was telling that troll that that basically Michael Jordan's greatest basketball of all time, of basketball player of all time. But to me, he's not the greatest athlete of all time. I sit here and I and I and I I baffle at the fact that I hear Michael Jordan's accomplishments over and over and over and over. We. We never get to get, forget about the flu game. We never forget about that. But I don't hear about the game that Ken Griffey Jr. I don't hear this from ESPN. The game that him and his dad hit a home run in the same game. That's one of the biggest accomplishments that's ever happened in baseball. Never see, never see it posted. Not ever. to mention the most beautiful swing I've ever seen in my life. You know, something the like most. that. You don't, you don't hear about Gretzky's time where he scored six goals in a game. Like you don't hear about this stuff. Right. And. It's just like when I said that to the guy and he literally just blew me off, I was kind of like, well, tell me who else they talk about then. Because right. I only hear about everybody else. And then once in a while, you know, every week, there's something that Michael Jordan did that they thought was amazing. Right. And that to me says somebody wants to keep Michael Jordan re- relevant for the ages. We've let plenty of greats die. I mean, kids right now, you know, baseball players that I, the kids that I know, they don't know Beirut. They know of Beirut, but they don't know Beirut. But kids I know today that I coach, they know Michael Jordan. Right. Because of these the, the this relevancy they keep. They see this stuff. They can go on YouTube. They don't know about Beirut. They don't know about Willie Mays. They don't know about guys like Ted Williams, Ted Williams and Lou Gehrig. Exactly. And, right. Or in hockey, Yamir Yager, you know, Mario Lemieux, these guys like that who were all greats that deserve their shine. Uh, may not be as great to, as to the sport as Michael Jordan was to basketball, but ESPN doesn't take the time to put the greats out there. I don't right. hear the greats like from from golf. I don't hear the greats from you know uh, football. Even fo- I don't you know where's Barry Sanders? Where's his every day? This is what he did on this day. Even or Jerry Rice, the greatest receiver what to ever he played did the on game. Randy Moss on right. what he did. Tom Brady, what he did on this day. We don't get none of that. All I hear. Every week is Michael Jordan's flu game, the, the the overly under basketball shot, the day he dunked in the dunk competition, things like that. I'm like, there's got to be something to this, that he is 
basically put out there all the time. You just can't be ESPN as that married to Michael Jordan like that. Right. I, I really just don't believe that. So. Right. Uh, quick baseball note, not much of a surprise for Tribe fans. Josh Donaldson won't be back with the club next year. I'm really betting on himself. And, I mean, somebody's going to give me $23 million to play for one year. Braves signed him to a one-year $23 million deal for a guy coming off one of the worst seasons, injury plagued of his career. That's a big gamble for, for a team like Atlanta who doesn't have the kind of money to spend that, you know, the big boys do. I'm a, I'm a seller on this one, but as, as a, a Braves uh, fan, I got to be happy about this. Now, I'm not a Braves fan, but if I am a Braves fan, I got to be happy that I found a third baseman. Right. Did they overpay for him? Oh, yeah. They way overpaid for him, but they needed him at third baseman. Right. They're a playoff team. They just needed a couple things to get over the hump. They weren't ready for the Dodgers because they were all young. Uh, Josh Donaldson can bring that veteran experience to that locker room for sure. Uh, they overpaid for Josh Donaldson. I will. I, I will say that. But the Indians have options. We didn't really lose anything no. by losing uh, Donaldson. I'm more concerned about our loss of Brantley, basically, and wondering where potentially he's going to land. And the word is, is potentially he could land in Atlanta as well. So wow, that made, that make them yeah a favorite. They're they're really looking to settle down, get some numbers right, and get Brantley into their left field spot, and they may end up with one of the better outfields in baseball just by adding Brantley. Right. Uh, I know you guys are, uh, you and your wife are going to have a date night soon, but TK is giving his stamp of approval times 10. Get out there and see Creed 2. All I'm going to say is it was fantastic. The acting was fantastic. The storyline was fantastic. The way the movie was presented was fantastic. And I will tell you this. I was in the theater and I wasn't the only one during certain parts of the movie where I was almost stood up. I was clapping. I'm cheering, you know, cheering on Adonis Creed like he is a, like it's a real fight. And when when you can capture the audience in that way, you know you've done something right. Um, so Stallone, fabulous, uh, did, did a fabulous job. M- Michael B. Jordan, uh, Tessa Thompson was was wonderful. Uh, Tolf Lundgren, man, he is. It was still very intimidating. They brought, they definitely brought. Uh, seeing him standing in Philadelphia, which isn't giving anything away because you can see it on the previews. I'm like, what the hell are you doing over here? Go go home. You don't belong here. Like I know I said that a lot, and they go, what the hell is he doing there? Tolf Lundgren <laughs> is one of my favorite characters of all time, um, especially in the Rocky movies because. He was no nonsense, uh, and when I was watching, rewatching the Rocky movie that he was in, Rocky Three, I believe four, four. I apologize. Um, I was rewatching this on IFC, which they rerun Rocky movies all the time. It's hilarious, and I was watching him, and I just didn't realize because I saw the Rocky movies when I was a kid. I didn't realize he was just like so. Just I don't really care about this right now. I just know I got to fight somebody, and that's it. You know, <laughs> that's right. literally it. And some of those lines, you know, I thought, man, what terrible acting. But then I thought about it. I was like, you know what? That's how they wrote it. That's what it's, it was supposed to be. But no, it was actually turned for me. I'm thinking, what great acting because he was emotionless as possible, and that was perfect because one of the lines that when he said to Rocky, "I must break you," great line, love right. it, love it. I'm not here because I hate you. I just know that they asked me to come whoop your butt. Right. That's, that's or like, you know. I defeat all the men, and if he dies, he dies. Like, exactly. If he dies, he dies. And I'm you like, heartless bastard. What, what a cold line. But <laughs> right. He was here to just assassinate You know what he was told to do. He was a boxing assassin, and I didn't realize that until I watched it 
a couple weeks ago as an adult thinking, wow, when I was a kid, I thought this dude was just so boring. Like, yeah. now I think about it, I'm like, he's probably one of the better characters that was in the series because he really, like, during the, the what what, I, what made me realize it was during the press conference between Apollo Creed and him, and they had, you know, Apollo Creed was getting out of, out of control, trying to sell the fight that, you know, basically he was going to win, and he got all animated, and Dolph, and, um, not Dolph, um, Drago just sat there, just staring off into the crowd. And he let his his cronies and his wife do the talking. Yeah, basically. And, you know, he only got up when he realized maybe I have to step in and, and beat Apollo Creed down. Put this guy in his up. place, yeah. right. That was it. He was literally an assassin. I'm just here to fight. You know, I'm just here to eat. That's it. Right. I, you know, and I love that. And it's, it's a testament to, again, to just see, you know, because people who know me know I am a Rocky fanatic. Like, mm-hmm. those are some of my favorite movies. To see the full circle of life of this character come from young up-and-coming fighter to father to trainer to get back in the ring kind of like George Foreman did to now he's older he's a grandfather now you know he's you know he's an older guy he's on definitely looking you know at not being here much you know much longer um, just to see the whole evolution of that of that character of a beloved character it's you know, I don't know if they'll make another one, but I thought, uh, you know, Stallone just nails, nails it on the head. And continue, continue training, and I can't wait to see Rambo 5. They gotta, they gotta <laughs> come out with a 3. They got to, but I'm... I'll well, wait more... till you see 2 before you say that. Well, no. I'm not, I'm not giving anything away, right, but just but wait till you see 2 you, before... You gotta, you gotta come out with a 3. You gotta come out with a character that hasn't been done yet, because... Yeah, but if you do another one, the more of these you do, the more you risk... Rocky dying in one of these movies, I can't emotionally handle that as a human being. I will have to leave and never see how that movie ends. I can't do it. Oh, you'll be all right. No, <laughs> no, I won't. I won't do it. You'll be do all right. Do not kill my man. And that's not giving anything away either. You see enough of the previews, you know Rocky's not going anywhere. But, you know, I don't need to see the full circle of this character. I don't need to see him get Mickey or get Apollo. Just, you know, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> but that, without giving it away. But see the second one. Tell me what you think. Um, and that, that's all I'm going to say because I don't want to give anything away. Like, I literally posted, uh, you know, Creed was amazing, blah, blah, blah. And I get, an, I get a message in my Facebook Messenger. And he's really weird about people mentioning his name on Facebook, so I'm not going to say it here. But he goes, I just need to know one thing. Does anybody die? And no. And that's not giving anything away, but nobody dies. Okay. So, and, but it was, it was awesome. So it's definitely a TK still of approval. Go check it out. I know I'm going to see it at least another time or two just because I know seeing it the first time, I probably missed a couple mm-hmm. things that would probably you know kind of make me say, holy cow, that was really cool. So mm-hmm. I need to go see it again. I uh, While we're talking about movies, I had did have a chance to view one movie that I've been wanting to see, and it was uh, that Black Klansman movie. Uh, oh, yeah. How was that? I would say it's a really good movie, but be careful. Um, it, it's a it's a political, a political agenda movie. I'll, sure. I'll tell you that for sure. It, it is a lot of a lot of underlying snippets of shots at forty five. So if you're if you're if you're a forty five supporter, you're not gonna like this movie. I'm gonna tell you that right now. So, uh, but he doesn't even get referred to by name. He's just a number. <laughs> not gonna. I can I can appreciate that. No. Though. So I I referred to I started referring to numbers um, when they stopped calling President Obama uh, President Obama. Right. They would just refer to him as Obama. So. 
I was just like, it's just much easier to just call it 44 and not 45. So, right, right. Um, I can understand that. Yeah, so, and it's just me just, you know, because in this climate, in this in this day and age, I try to say the things that won't show my division whatsoever. Because right. I have I have a certain path that I want to want to do, and I don't want to have to argue with people with the way I do it because right. it's it's my choice, not yours. Right. So exactly. So and that's the way it should be with everybody. I mean, if I'm sitting if I'm sitting across from TK right now and he's a beloved President Trump supporter, it doesn't make him any less of a good friend of mine than anybody else that was a, well, not a Hillary Clinton supporter. I will go on record and say that's a terrible idea, but um, not any less than someone that voted against Trump. You know? Right, <clears throat> so, absolutely. I'm not, but you and I can have a, a conversation about it, have it be respectful, may, would it get heated? Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit, but at the end, we would shake hands and move on. Some people, if you're, if you're a Trump supporter, then you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're pond scum, and mm-hmm. couldn't be further from the truth. I know a lot of people who are not Mr. Trump supporters and who are Mr. Trump supporters that are some of the best people that I know, but I would never, you know, you just, we live in a day and age where if you don't share someone's opinion, then you're wrong and you're an idiot Mm -hmm. and it's going to go south from there. And it's as terrible as it is. That's why this podcast, we stay away from that kind of stuff. Right. I just don't, I just don't want to deal with it. Right. And so, you know, I don't mind diving into it. If anybody ever wants to pick my opinion, I'm more uh, not really a political type guy. I'm more of a realistic type guy. I'll tell you what I'm seeing. Right. And and you could be mad at me if, if I tell you what I'm seeing, but when I'm telling you what I'm seeing, it has nothing to do with my affiliation whatsoever. Right. I'm just telling you, I'm calling it like it is. Right. And and I did that for every president that I've ever had been a, the fortunate enough to vote for. And I started in the Bush administration. Right. That was the first one I got to vote in. So... I've been calling it like I've seen since then. Right. And there are, I'm, I'm, I'm one where I don't necessarily vote party-wise. I try to look at it from, you know, I'll try to find someone who, you know, isn't a supporter of one candidate or another, but they just give you the straight facts. Because I don't need to see smear campaigns about this guy. Sure. Like, I don't care. Give me the facts of what they truly believe in, and then let me take a look and digest that. And I'm going to vote based on who I think in my heart is going to do the best job. Not only with putting my faith into it, but also, who's going to do the best job for the country? I don't care if they're a Republican. I don't care if they're a Democrat. I don't care if they're an Independent. I don't care if they're Green. Mm-hmm. If they're, if if I truly believe that they're going to do the best job, that's who gets my vote. I don't care what party they are. I, I could care less because I think that the anyway anyway that that's what I'm gonna you know that's you know that that's what I do. So um, you know I have no problem saying I voted for President Obama twice. Yeah. And there were some things that he did that I loved. There were some things that he did that I hated. Mm-hmm. But that's that's what comes with. Know, with it and same thing with president trump there's some things that, that i like that he's doing and there are some things that i hate that he's doing get off twitter <laughs> <laughs> yeah for, for me for for me it's just what i what i realize and what we're doing now is is, is this giant you know pissing contest mm-hmm. as far as the parties go and when i hear news which troubles me because we a lot of us especially m- minorities like me we fought hard for our voting rights, and what I see that basically there's voter suppression, or there's also times where, you know, I heard also that there was a I can't remember what state or what county or wherever it was at there was a county that actually voted for a, a candidate that had already died. He right. had died, and they were gonna take him, didn't take him off the ballot yet, but they still voted for him. Right, and they voted for that he won as as a post, you know mortem candidate and i was kind of like 
we're not even trying to understand who the human being is and what they're going to do. We're just voting for a letter. And right. that's not the way this is supposed to be. It's supposed right. to be about voting for people's actual ideals and what they represent and what they're, what they're planning on doing to help this country. And that's what, what bothers me the most about where we're at right now with, with 45 is because we are not arguing about the issues that would help our lives. We're just arguing about who is liberal and conservative at this point. Right. And the liberal conservative is a, is a lifestyle. It is not something that, you know, should be on a platform where we're telling you to live a certain type of way. Politics are where conservative or, I mean, not conservative, where Republicans and Democrats should sit. Leave the liberal conservative stuff out because, for me, I should be able to live my lifestyle the way, how the way I ever want and not be defined by it. Right. I can vote Republican and still believe in some liberal aspects. So that's what's bothering me right now is because we're literally fighting a, a situation right now where it's about lifestyles and minding business, you know? Right. So, but getting back to Black Klan's where right. we got to, if you, if you, I will warn you that if you voted for 45 and you feel that strongly about this guy, don't watch it because they take a lot of shots at him. In through, an indirect kind of way. Through David Duke, who right. is the former head and grand wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. They take a lot of shots to make similarities that they're the same person. And did it bother me a little bit that they were doing that because Spike Lee, I felt like he was pushing the agenda? Yes. Because I felt like a good movie was done, but people won't give it its justice because... Of the pot shots. Because of the pot shots and, right. and the politics and things like that. It's a great movie. It's a great story that wasn't told. How a black man was able to infiltrate the Ku Klux Klan. It's a great story. It should be told. But, you know, it should have been told in an unbiased way. It should have just been told from clear, concise facts and notes, things like that. No offense, Spike Lee was not the guy to direct that film. Um, And just because he uses his platform to get out the agenda he wants. My bad. It is what that is. What it is. No, I didn't mean to kick you if I did. You know, and, and and unfortunately, that is what it is. And he's got more money than you and I'll ever know what to do with. So yeah, he's got the power to do that. But if he wanted to make a film like you said, then maybe you give it to an up and coming director who can put a fresh spin on it and not an agenda raised thing. Now I'm still I still want to see the film though because it's gotten rave reviews. But you know, it's a great movie. It has a lot of funny moments in it. Um, for me, it has a lot of like ironic good moments in it um adam driver he he was in it you guys may know him more as kylo ren from star wars Mm -hmm. he is pretty good in this movie and and for me there's also that second tier of basically we have another minority that's infiltrating as well adam driver obviously you can look at him and tell that he's he's jewish you can look at him and, and tell he he's a jewish of jewish descent and he's they basically talk about how he was able to infiltrate as well. So, you know, it was a great movie. It had a lot of moments, intense moments, where you're like, man, they're going to kill him. You're, they're right. going to kill either one of them. So I love those moments. I love being on the edge of my seat. I just, I just would only caution that if you can't look past politics and politics make you mad, it's going to ruin your day, don't even, don't even bother watching this movie. Right. You know? Right. Don't even take the time. So what else you got on your mind this week, my man? Yeah, there's not much much going on. I'm excited about the college football playoff to see what they do. Right. Um, I, you know, it's it's going to be a decent discussion that we're going to hear 
forever, um, you know, about what Ohio State and Oklahoma are going to do. Right. Uh, I, I would give the nod to Ohio State because Oklahoma's defense is terrible. But uh, it remains to see what the what the committee is going to say. Yeah, you know, and we'll just have to wait till after the conference championship games to see where everything kind of kind of kind of lies. You know, because if you're wanting Ohio State to get in, then you need Alabama to beat Georgia. Because if Georgia beats Alabama, then oh yeah, that's Ohio Ohio. State and Oklahoma. Yeah, it's yeah, Ohio Ohio State Oklahoma uh, need Georgia to lose because Oklahoma's going to be four this week. Let's be honest, they're going to be number four because they were number six, right? Four loses. No, Georgia's Georgia. Georgia, yeah, Georgia be, will be four. Yeah, they set it up to basically eliminate one of the SEC teams unless Georgia is able to pull it off and beat Alabama. And, and beat Alabama, which right. it's not out of the realm. No. It really isn't out of the realm of possibilities. And I would love to see it, but then that would mean for the first time ever, two Power Five conferences wouldn't be in the playoffs, and that would definitely spark a debate that. We need to go to we need to go to six. We need to go to eight because I still think they should go to eight. To be honest, with I, you. I do too. But there's no there's no controversy right now where it would make them do that. But right. everyone forgot about Notre Dame. That Notre Dame could enter this equation at any point they, when they decide to show up. Right. They could come to this party whenever they feel like they have a blanket invite. All they have to do is win they win their ridiculous schedule. So right. if they go like they are, they, if they're undefeated, they're going to be in the playoff, which is going to potentially leave. Two conference power five conferences out. So at the end of the day, do you say to Notre Dame, join a conference, or you're not invited anymore, or right. do we expand the playoffs? You know, I'd rather expand it because I think there's there's more money, there's more involved, and I think that's what their their bottom line Absolutely. is. Absolutely, there's a lot but of money. it gives it's going to give those top eight teams. I you know it's easier to there's a big difference between one and eight in college football. Yeah. You know, it's almost like the difference between like a, you know a one seed and a four seed in women's basketball. Uh-huh. You know, I mean that's the be- the best comparison I can give. So if you want to let one and eight play it out, that's fine. That, that great because then you're gonna get rid of eight. You're probably gonna get rid of seven, maybe six or five. Maybe make an upset, but mm-hmm. you know one and seven and eight are as good as gone. But that's great experience for those programs. I, I just think you can't because then you can include a UCF who's undefeated. You can yeah, and and for me, you can't just write these teams off. Like we've been doing with the four, you can't just write them off. You gotta let them play the game. Yeah. And if Alabama blows out UCF, then UCF shuts up. But if UCF beats Alabama, then we've we've got some, we got some talking points. Like right. is you, you just we have to think about that. And for me, I think it's it's a little bit embarrassing that the lower division has a a playoff system where they include twenty four teams, where right. the the division that's supposed to be the power division. Com, uh, tier doesn't, and they just started including four teams. Right, I think yeah. it's absolutely ridiculous that we don't, because in the it, it we it remains to be seen. You have data that division, uh, the lower division, division two, and division three have all done the playoffs, and it doesn't affect the players' health. Uh, you know, it, it creates more peril. Uh, you know, and to to not that I'm biased or anything, but my the school that I graduated from in Georgia, Kennesaw State. They're on year three of their football team, and Kennesaw State made it in as a 24 seed last year, and now it gave them a chance to move up. They almost ended, they go, went to the semifinals last year. That's what I'm talking about is things like that where you give teams and colleges a chance to basically show up and prove that they're one of the better teams in the nation. You know, right. We don't know if Alabama is especially the, the number one team in the nation. We could say that, but... 
who knows? There's a team that's out there that may match up better than all the other teams that we let in. Right. You know, say Alabama has to fa- face a triple option team like they did. They struggled with the Citadel. Let them play Georgia Tech with their with an actual Division One triple option. See how they do. You right. Know? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You know, well, I want to see that type of peril in there. I want to see teams match up and have fun. I want to see people go to different colleges and be, know that they're going to have a chance at a national championship rather than I'm going I'm going to the University of Miami and I don't ever expect to win a national championship. Yeah, not anymore. You know, right. I'm, I'm just playing college football to play college football at this point. Right. I hate that. Right. You know, that's why I like basketball in that sense because I can go to Iona and <laughs> get to the tournament. Man, right. And, and you never know what can happen. You Once you're there, know. you never know. You just Unless never know. if you're 16, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, University of Maryland, Baltimore beat – the one seed, you just never know, you right. know. That, that's a great thing. Like in basketball, like last year, Michigan was unranked and ended up going to the the national championship game. That's what's great about football is be, I mean, uh, basketball is right. because it can be that much peril. Right. You just don't know from year to year because the talent is spread out further because they have a chance and you know they have that opportunity. They just get the opportunity to be at the dance. Right. So. Well, yeah, I don't have really uh, much other on my on my gourd this weekend either, um, other than the fact I'm hoping to get our car back from the shop here in the next week or so. Stupid deer. Uh, but they gave my wife a boat, and we're safe, and the car did its job, protected us, which is all I care about. So um, it's just ironic that I came to work for an insurance company, and then a week before I come here, we get in a, a deer accident. And just I kind of got it. Yeah, I kind of got a firsthand experience as to what my day might look like, which you is know, which was kind of nice. The thing about for you is you get to understand – the, the customer side of it so you know what type of service to provide on the other side. Exactly. So next week, we'll definitely get into um, how the Browns do this weekend against the Texans. Uh, we'll look ahead to the Panthers. Hopefully, we'll be a 5-6-1 and one football team. Um, we'll have conference championships to talk about and kind of get an insight as to maybe what the top four is going to be. Um, that and who knows what else we'll, we'll, we'll end up getting into. We'll figure uh, out some things. We'll figure out some things. Uh, Have a great week, everybody. We look forward to seeing you next week.